Hi everyone and welcome to the Friday, October 8th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. My name is Mike Malone and I'm here with our special contributor, Scott Budman of NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson, our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove, and our host, as always, is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, we have breaking news, Scott. Yeah, this was a big one on Thursday night. Yes. Um, I remember tuning into the shareholder meeting, which was, you know, streamed. And uh, for Tesla, Elon Musk walks out on stage and is clearly in Texas. Yes. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder why he's doing it in Texas. And right off the bat, he told us Tesla's moving its headquarters to Texas, Austin, Texas. You know, I hearken back as soon as I read it to that, what was it, a congresswoman who wrote that tweet that said, F Elon Musk. Right. And he wrote back message received you know i think elon just got tired of all this he got tired of all the california bs that's going on and from sacramento from fremont and everything else i mean alameda county famously he battled with you know the the one place he didn't really battle with was palo alto where the headquarters is located palo alto is very happy to have tesla sure they got everybody else right and a lot of its employees because palo alto is where wealthy people live but alameda county which is much more spread out it's the county i'm from in oakland um was really coming down on tesla during the time of covid where there were lockdowns and saying you cannot open your you know production facility in fremont and musk famously back and forth with alameda county and said at one point i'm just going to move yeah and maybe i'll keep the manufacturing facility here which he ultimately did Mm -hmm. but it was months ago when he said i'm ready to get up and move the headquarters you know i think sometimes these municipalities look at a a factory and they go well they're not going to move they have so much investment there's such so much capital engaged in our county that they're not going to go and so they're our new cash cow and we can kind of do whatever we want to with them. Well, think how short-sighted that is for that very specific building, yeah. which has been abandoned multiple times by car companies. That's sort of how things work. Well, uh, hey, as a kid, I toured it <laughs> when it was GM. Right. It was you GM, know? and then it was the sort of Toyota GM hybrid, right. Nui, I believe it was called, and then Tesla. And Tesla is building manufacturing elsewhere in several places. Yeah. So history could repeat itself you know, within a lifetime. It's yeah, not and like... then you end up with a, a million square foot white elephant. Right. Just sitting there rotting away. Which they've had before. Which they've had before. You would think that, you know, they might have been a little more friendly. But yeah. I'm not sure California is friendly to business anymore. No, and that is what you hear constantly from Oracle. Yep. We heard it from Palantir, uh, HP Enterprises, and others who say... The hoops you have to jump through, not to mention the economic realities, high taxes, high housing prices, there's a lot of traffic. All these things were cited by Musk at the shareholder meeting when he said, hey, we're still going to stay in California. In fact, we're going to hire more people in the Bay Area, but we want our employees to have an option, cheaper housing, less taxes, a shorter commute to work. 15, and all those, 15 minutes to the airport, he said. Yeah, and all those things, it's it's hard to argue against that. Yeah, you, you know, so. the... the Skeptic in me says, oh, this is a move for taxes because Austin, Texas has less taxes. But you have to understand California is notoriously a pain in the neck for businesses. Sure. And what was it? 20 years ago at at the very founding event for Joint Venture Silicon Valley, I introduced T.J. Rogers. And he got up there and he basically told an anecdote 
about what it took to put in a guard shack in the front of Cypress Semiconductor and the regulatory hoops he had to go through then. And the whole point of Joint Venture Silicon Valley was to break through all that to make this a welcoming environment. And it's like nobody learned anything. You know, it's, it's much worse than it was. Right, and you know, granted, California has a lot of success bringing startups here, bringing big tech companies here, but for all of the headlines that I disagree with of the mass exodus, yeah. you know, we're still growing. Sure. We're still gaining companies, but these are cautionary tales, the Oracles and the HPEs and the Palantirs and now Tesla, um, where we haven't seen entire companies leave, but psychologically, I think this means something and it sends a message to the next startup that says, oh, it is going to be hard to hire because we can't pay a lot and it costs a ton to live here. Yeah, and this isn't HP, an aging old company leaving. You can We've been justifying all the other ones, you know. So HP is an old mature company, Palantir spooky government black box stuff. So, you know, maybe they should go. But Tesla, the hottest company in the world right now with the, you know, this generation Steve Jobs and he packs up and goes not a good sign I agree okay uh, Facebook this has been a very interesting week Facebook okay their troubles seem to be continuing though this was weird this whistleblower was a whistleblower it seemed like almost in name only I mean she's she's telling all this stuff but then she's hinting well, what we need is a government regulatory agency watching over all this and, you know, run by somebody like me. And I thought, well, and then you start digging into it and you realize that she had a PR firm that had been bought for her to bring her in there. It's like, you know, was this just a, a, a bit of acting on her part? Was it a, was it a no play, you know, or she's, you know, acting out a role. I mean, I don't quite understand what the whole thing was about. Well, I don't know. I think any any you know hearing is is a bit of theater. Obviously, we've seen that both with Facebook and with other companies. It's theater for the politicians. It's theater for those who are on the hot seat. Um, but with this particular whistleblower, what was interesting was her thesis was things are wrong. Yes. You know, there is trouble. With the, you know, it's like Macbeth, yes. right? You know, or, or yeah, um, and. Uh, and yet, she said, I, I don't want to take it down. I'm not Elizabeth Warren. Right. I'm saying we need to fix this. She wasn't even necessarily advocating a breakup. She admitted, look, I'm not management here, but I've worked at tech companies for a number of years. And so I thought it was interesting to hear from her. Um, and this is a trend that we've started to see in tech companies where employees yeah. are starting to sort of bite back. And yeah. Well, it was um, interesting to see both sides of the aisle yeah. were in support well, of this thing. Didn't I say that the one thing that's uniting this country, yeah. <laughs> it's both our sort of uh, fear of China, yeah. but also our tech lash and the fear of big tech and what it's doing to our privacy and our children, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think you have a sympathetic character here that both sides really want to listen to because both sides are just bringing out the knives against Facebook. And, and to interestingly, its discredit, Gizmodo did a did a, a survey this week that found most teenagers don't even like Facebook anymore or Instagram. So, right. I mean, they haven't been on on Facebook for a long time. No, but no. Instagram, uh, 
boy, the blowback against Instagram was fast and furious. Yes. And Instagram, which just like its parent, the apple doesn't fall from the tree, no. responded by saying, well, we're thinking about an Instagram for kids. Yeah. And the blowback was so strong against that. Nice know, of you to say apple doesn't fall from the tree because in legal terms, it's usually fruit from a poison tree. Ah, okay. All right, I like uh, that. Um, and, well, this tree is poisoned. Yeah. And Instagram, which was, hey, a fun way to see some influencers and to share some fashion with friends, has now become the poster child for teen angst and uh, anxiety and, I mean, just horrifying things. And again, it's for teens what Facebook has been for adults. Misinformation, anxiety, bad news, and fake news. But what's the end game? I mean, the whistleblower, she was sort of suggesting we need another layer, a government layer of, you know, sensors and watchers and all that. Is that the solution? I mean, this it suddenly struck me that in the middle of all this, that DC liked her because she's essentially saying, you guys take it over. Yes, which I don't think is the solution. Now, I was impressed. Yeah, now we have the, who's guarding the guardians, who's guarding the guardians. Right. And I must say, I was more impressed than I have been with the, the caliber of questions, even a week earlier, yeah. where someone asked, um, you know, Antigone Davis of Facebook, are you going to stop Finsta? Which is literally yeah. fake. It has nothing to do with what Facebook does. It's yeah. fake Instagram. So um, some of the questions are still tone deaf, but a lot of them were better. And so they're starting their staffers, to understand. I think they finally assigned their staffers to learn about this stuff. They're to, young to staffers. To write them good questions. Right. But I still don't think it should be in their hands. And this is tough. In my business, I realize we try to categorize things quickly. Oh, Facebook is like smoking was or whatever. But it's not. It's really new. And so there's no precedent for how government can regulate something like Facebook right. or even how the companies themselves can regulate it. You know, with smoking... Uh, let's say back in the, I don't know, 70s, it started to become really uncool to yeah. the point where now... You also had a lot of empirical data. Yes. A lot yes. pouring in. True. And I think now we're getting the data, but it's you almost still have to be on Instagram or else you're left out. When's, when's Zuckerberg going in front of him again? I don't know. This has got to be an interesting testimony. Because, there, yes. because there's, there's, she essentially said Zuckerberg lied on some of this stuff. That you know he comes in here and does the you know the data from you know from Star Trek act, but he knows what's going on and he's been um, you know he's no. not been entirely truthful. No, and even their response this week has been, uh, well, she really didn't have a position of authority. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah, and her skirt was too short. Whatever. I don't want to hear this stuff. Attacking employees who actually have something valid to say. It was not a good look, and uh, and it was not a response that mollified anybody. No. Um, and that has been what Facebook has done. They just can't get out of their way, their own way. So I, I don't know that... Well, they can't put us to sleep anymore. They can't go in there and just say soothing terms and have us all go, oh, okay, well, everything's going to be all right. I think everybody's mobilized now about Facebook. All right, so... I disagree only because their numbers haven't dropped. We need to see that if people are truly mobilized. It's not hard to get off Facebook and Instagram. No. So why aren't people doing it? Now, the day... Because it, it's actually useful to people. Right. Remember the day after the whistleblower hearing, something really bad, <laughs> as if things couldn't get worse. You had a gigantic company-wide outage all day. WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, all down. Did your, was your first reaction, 
sabotage, that people are rising up against Facebook. I had that momentarily that I thought, nah, it's just another crash. Briefly, yeah, um, but uh, boy, that would have been some amazingly effective sabotage. I mean, they took down the entire Facebook empire. Empire. And for hours and hours and hours. I mean, this wasn't I a minor. It was eight hours, wasn't it? Right, yeah. and then there was no message popping up saying, hey, this is anonymous, you know, stop yeah. treating teen girls badly or whatever. It wasn't anything like that. But that is what caused a cratering of Facebook stock, not the testimony the day before, the outage during which Facebook also yeah, the Facebook's the devil, but I'm going to still stay on. Uh, on the but, other but hand, that also came on but the if tail. they don't give me service, they're a bad devil, and I'm going to short their stock. Right. So the tail end of the 60 Minutes episode with the whistleblower, the company crashes, and the stock loses $50 billion in a day, actually in a morning, in a few right, hours. Yeah. And I don't want to say you need more of that because Facebook isn't going to go away, but that was the only thing that really mobilized at least investors was you literally can't reach Instagram or Facebook or WhatsApp. You still could, even though you have all this information, and people were fine. In fact, the last couple of days, the stock has moved back up. So I don't really know how you change Facebook um, other no, than... No, I'm not sure you're ever <laughs> going to get people with you know torches and pitchforks out there in the streets, but DC seems to be mobilized right now, at least temporarily. Yes, and maybe that does something. Um, but I, I really think that a company like Facebook that is open to the masses... Um, and I appreciate the democracy of that. But those masses are going to make the call if they're really going to change. And until and unless those masses say, we're getting off Facebook and we're going to make Instagram uncool somehow, you know, the teens have to do that, yeah. that would really hit them where they live. Their numbers, their bottom line, eventually their stock price. I don't know what government can do, but I think the masses, if they decide to really turn against Facebook and Instagram, yeah. they would make the difference. Well, you know, Zuckerberg so far has absolutely brilliantly i don't think he gets enough credit for it he took a facebook and when it started to age he jumped into instagram got the kids again it started to age jumps into whatsapp he's been able to do it because no one has really tried to pull antitrust on him for doing this stuff and eventually caught up with microsoft is next time zuckerberg wants to buy, spend 30 billion dollars to buy the hot new thing how much backlash do you think he's going to get? Well, that's what I thought when they were still going to go ahead with Instagram for kids. I thought, yeah. now is the time for silence, not yeah. for new products and going younger. Um, now is the time to sort of... But boy, they have a tin ear on that stuff. I on know. politics, they do. I think they just... I think Zuckerberg just wrote big checks to lobbyists in D.C. and said, just make it okay for us. And and they just move along like a, you know, like a freighter. They, it's hard to stop an ocean liner. You know, It takes several miles. And I think... For them, it's let's gobble up market share, let's get the kids, let's keep moving, and, and they and they're and they're absolutely tin-eared about yeah, the impact. Some of this surprises me. That tin-ear surprises me because if you read the book by the two women from the New York Times that just came out, a fantastic book, they spend chapters and chapters talking about their DC presence, and the DC presence is not just lobbyists to you know intimidate people, but to try to keep an ear to the ground and. I, how could you not <laughs> yeah. be listening to what's yeah. going on out there? Yeah, Instagram for kids is probably a bad idea, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Um, oh, let's do it. You know, I, I, I've been trying to put it off as much as I can. Theranos, week four. Yeah. 
hey, don't put this off. This is... Uh, oh, I, I just don't want to lead with it every oh, week. Right. But what a bananas week in tech this has been. Yeah, uh, Theranos was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Show up for trial on Wednesday thinking, finally, we've got rid of the lab director who was there for like six days. Yeah. Um, the testimony got very dry. And he was an important witness. Sure. Both because he you know, was able to say, hey, Elizabeth Holmes... But as a reporter, the only thing that mattered was the first day, right? Right. And uh, the cross-examine took him down a little bit, but still, you know, it, it seemed to last a long time. First thing we notice Wednesday is a juror steps up and says, because of my religious beliefs, I cannot judge Elizabeth Holmes. And the court got silent. And I was thinking, well, I'm curious what... Why religion... did that occur in jury selection? That also came up. Um, and after a back and forth discussion, she said her beliefs as a Buddhist kept her from judging the way she said it was voting on Elizabeth Holmes. Um, the judge said, look, you're, you know, you're judging to an extent her innocence or guilt, but you're not deciding how yeah, long. You're not pulling the switch. Right. Um, but she was quite emotional about her religious beliefs. She was dismissed. And so now we have two well, jurors. That was high drama. It, it was it was a surprise, yeah. Um, and again, things kind of got quiet. Even the reporters, like the you know the hardened court reporters yeah. that I follow on Twitter and look sure. to see what they're typing because they're the ones who know this stuff. Uh, they were eyebrows raised. In like, the press whoa. room, was everybody like, "Whoa!" Yeah, and I I really asked, like, "All right, and you we guys, got a hook." That's the second thing reporters do. Whoa, the plane just crashed over there. I got to get on the story. Well, I mean, I had said, how often have you seen in all these court cases someone pull a religious exemption a month into a trial? Yeah. And uh, so that, that just doesn't happen. You know, if someone's going to have that, it might come up in, in the early, you know, questionnaire. But um, Well, as Leo Types have always pointed out, celebrity trials are not real law. You know, <laughs> that weird shit, excuse me, weird stuff happens. Uh you know, at unexpected times. And it did, and this was unexpected even again for the hard-bitten court reporters yeah. to say, wow, a religious exemption. And the interesting thing was, when she said it, nobody could figure out what religion, until she said, I'm a Buddhist and I disagree, because they hadn't heard it before from, right. you know, a, a Christian perspective or a Jewish perspective or a Catholic or anything. You're going through your list of religions. <laughs> right. Which one has jury you know, right. non-participation. And everyone in the, in the <laughs> you know, in, the, in the, the courtroom is thinking, okay, if she says my religion, I'm going to say, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so many of whatever my people have, have been on juries. Anyway, so now uh, two have left. Interestingly, none because of COVID. Yeah. But now three, three alternates remain. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the legal analysts we spoke to say... <laughs> You lose another one or two. Yeah, now it gets dicey. Yeah, yeah it gets dangerous. Mistrial. Right. Um, and boy, this late in the game. So the guess is that the, the judge is going to be much more discerning about who. In fact, someone did step up and say, you know, English is my second language. I'm on the jury. I'm an alternate. And I'm supposed to be here. Uh, I'm a little nervous about my understanding of how things go. And the judge jumped right in and said, have you understand what's, uh, understood what went on so far? Yeah, pretty well. You're staying. You're <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I think he doesn't want to lose anymore. But uh, it's starting to get interesting again. The CEO of Safeway just taking the stand. Yeah, what the was former that all CEO. about? Well, remember, Safeway, along with Walgreens, had a big, big deal. Hundreds of millions of dollars allegedly invested in Theranos 
both as an investment, but also to revamp Safeways so they could have mini labs sure. and bring the machines they, in. Both both places got snookered. They thought this as it was an enormous opportunity right. to change their business. We can become a walk-in clinic, right? You know, and think of the money in that, and we're not having to just sell, you know, inflated prices on groceries. We can save people's lives. It shows again how amazingly persuasive Elizabeth Holmes is because even CVS isn't a walk-in clinic. Yeah. You know, you've got to go to Quest or you've got to go to LabCorp. I'm mentioning a couple that are here sure. in, in Northern California. Um, you know, CVS, which is legitimately a pharmacy, it's a drugstore, but you don't do your blood testing. Right. You can get a flu shot. A blood right, you. you can get a flu shot, you can get a COVID shot. But um, they wanted safe ways to be where you can shop for some groceries and while you're there, roll up your sleeve. Well, you don't even have to roll up your sleeve. Just take the finger stick yeah. and get your blood drawn. Um, I mean, that's a big, big change for a grocery chain, uh, not to mention a Walgreens, which did put the machines in. Yep. Safeway lost a lot of money. The former CEO, according to the book Bad Blood, lost his job because of this, but they invested a lot of money, couldn't confirm the tests, and now we're waiting for the cross-examination. But he laid it out and said, my dealings were 100% with Elizabeth Holmes, and ultimately we couldn't get the tests to prove anything. So they dropped the deal. So it's it's once again getting interesting. Well, you know, I'm not calling her a, a con woman, but it's always been said that you can't work a con unless you've got a willing mark. And I think a lot of these companies that were trying to, you know, get the franchise from her were in their minds thinking, this is our chance to finally get in the technology game and leapfrog ahead of everybody else. And they wanted it to be real too. Right. And they didn't do enough due diligence until they had vested a whole bunch of money. you got to wonder if they could do enough due diligence. I think that's the ultimate question, isn't it? If, even if they had tried, without you know, looking at the technology and all that, they had to get it all from Theranos. Right. Well, ultimately, he said, we could not verify the results, and that's why the deal went south. Yeah. Um, and so, they, right, they tried to do their due diligence, you right. could say. You're right. Okay. Uh, on the... <laughs> It's, you know, this is interesting. Real companies seem to be having a hard time, but Bitcoin, which most people still don't really understand, just hit $55,000 a coin. Yeah, it's still, um, for some reason, a place a lot of people want to put their investment dollars. It's still not currency, largely because of its wide fluctuations, right. but it is a speculative investment. And well, unless you're in El Salvador. That's true. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, there are ETFs for Bitcoin and, and places where you can trade. Obviously, the Coinbases and the Robinhoods and all that sure. are, are doing well off them. Square, uh, maybe even PayPal. So there is some legitimacy to it. I just, you know, again, what is the end game other than a speculative investment? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, you could say the same about GameStop at this point. Yeah. And, you know, all my life I've seen these things go crazy. And you look back and you go, oh, if I just got me, if I just bought Superman comic number one when it was <laughs> twenty bucks, you know, you know, I'd be a rich person today. You know, if I bought that Goldwing Mercedes in '55, but you know, we just, you can't think that way right. because there's no way of knowing. But you know, good for people that did. Well, yeah, a lot of people are making money. Uh, IPO filing of the week, Rivian. 
Okay, now that's a truck company, right? The electric truck company? Yes. Where are they? They're in Southern California, okay. headquartered in, in Irvine. And they it's are- a sweet looking truck. It really is. And they're going public, and, and this is sort of what Tesla did without a whole lot of cars on the road, uh, or in their case, trucks, but they do need to raise some cash, I imagine, for that last push. And they are said to be really on the, on the verge of releasing these into the public. And so you'll see some in the wild soon, perhaps. And I think this is very important because much like Ford and its F-150 uh, electric version, um, you know, trucks are huge sellers, big polluters. Seller, yeah. yeah, and if you can convince truck owners to go electric, um, I think that's a big, a big sort of battle in the okay, war. Okay, so where's the Tesla truck? That's delayed and delayed and delayed. Uh, at the shareholder meeting, Musk said that the Cybertruck, as he calls it, yeah. is still a year away from even production. Wow. So it's 2023 before we see these things on the road. See, Rivian looks like a real truck. It does. You know, and I think that's within the comfort zone of most truck drivers like me. I agree. Okay, you look at the Tesla and you go, the Cybertruck, and you go, I mentioned this well, we, a year ago. I said, "How do you put stuff in the back? You know, how do you strap down a, a tarp over, you know, your lawn clippings and take them to the dump? How does this all work?" Right. And and Rivian, I think, is a company that that straddles between. It's it's not the F one fifty, which is every truck you've ever seen. Right. It's certainly not the Cybertruck, which is something you've only seen in video games. But it's a forward looking electric truck that you will recognize as an EV. Yep. Much like when you see a Tesla, you say there's an EV or, you know, sure. that sort of thing. And I think that's important. And that could be a big selling point uh, on both sides. One, hey, it's an EV and I'm driving an EV and I get to say I'm, I'm a little cleaner. Yeah. But also it's clearly a truck and right. I'm a truck driver and this is what I want. And if it can get good range, good torque, all that stuff, uh, maybe you'll have a, a big win in the inroads for EVs. You know, I hope they do. I mean, certainly General Motors is banking on it. Their CEO said he was going to double revenues. Well, it's got to be through EV. Right. And, if, and every one of these things that succeeds legitimizes it, you know, and that's what that's what the GM needs. They're going to pull off what they think they're going to do. Yeah, and I'm curious if we start to see maybe on a federal level again, uh, more incentives because after all people change their behavior because of money yeah and if there are more incentives as we had for um, you know Tesla's and Leafs and all those things where you get if you're a Californian ten thousand dollars back right on your on your car or, or truck purchase um, you know we may be able to make some inroads okay finally this is interesting capitulating abounding pressure from shareholders Microsoft has agreed to make it easier for customers to independently re prepare their de Microsoft devices. Uh, this was driven by the, the right to repair movement. Yeah, the right to repair movement simply says, we should be able to do this on our own. We yeah. should be able to fix our devices as opposed to the walled off device gardens that Microsoft, Apple, and a lot of companies have. Um, and Which is you open it, you lose your warranty. Right. Yeah. And this will, and there have been these sort of sidebar companies that say, we'll fix your iPhone or we'll fix your Android phone. Um, but if, if right to repair really catches on, that becomes a bigger business. You get to do it on your own. Now, Apple, to its sort of credit, has addressed this movement by saying, you know, bring it to our store and we'll fix it for you. Yeah. And we'll take care of it. But that still you're is still the going company. Inside, you're still going inside the walled city. Right. And right so, now, it's the gleaming, shiny company give, selling you the product. And then if it breaks down, you go down to Gasoline Alley to some guy that, you know, 
fixes your machine, sort of. Right. You hope. And often, if you so much as even fix your iPhone screen, warranty is invalid. Apple, right. you know, I have no son. It's sort of like, you know, one of those, yeah. one of those disowning Be things. Gone. Right. And, Cast and, into the outer darkness. <laughs> right. And, and the, the right to repair movement, I think, is a healthy thing. Uh, good for a big company like Microsoft to jump on that and just admit, hey, once you buy it, you also have the right to maybe tinker with it, maybe fix it. Uh, I don't see this as a real big threat to any companies. No, no. And it's really good for you because you're going to start doing a lot of reporting for emergency rooms because of electrocutions. God, good for me as a reporter. <laughs> as a reporter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> okay, that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And thank you to all of our new YouTube uh, visitors. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.